Welcome to the No Shortcuts Podcast. I'm Edgel Groves. All right. My guest today is Will J. Will J is one of my favorite singer-songwriters on the planet. And uh, I think we crossed paths the first time in 2017, and we've just been working together in some capacity ever since. He's incredibly prolific, talented, uh, and and, and likable. Uh, As you'll hear, Will's been through a lot in the 10 years or so he's been in the music business, everything from being in a boy band to starting his own solo pop career, um, and he just continues to impress. So anyway, I think you're going to love what he has to say. And you should definitely go check out his music as soon as this episode is over or right now or do it first. All right. Will J. Will, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You are wearing a very colorful tie-dye-esque type shirt. Thank you. I got it from a randomly a vegan cheesecake store in Echo Park that also <laughs> sold clothes. A vegan cheesecake store. Yeah, I used to, I used to make the joke that uh, every time I was in Brooklyn, I would ride my vegan bicycle. But, oh, um, yeah, that's, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> it. that's funny. <laughs> um, so wait, what's the name of this cheesecake place called? Should I check Sol- it out? Yeah, it, yeah, it's actually amazing. It's called Solar Return. Um, it's like. I think it's on the main street in Echo Park, but it's, yeah, I, I got a shirt out of it. So yeah, well, it's a cool shirt. And the thing is, um, for those of you who don't live in LA, that are going to be listening to this. Uh, LA is, uh, very ripe with vegan vegetarian options. There's so many crazy places out here and Echo Park, Silver Lake East side is very much the, I would call the, the center point for places like that. It's, um, it's a really cool spot. So when you're visiting, go check it out. Yes, Super you should. Cool. I'm, I'm realizing now that might be the most L.A. sentence I've ever uttered in my life. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's fair, though. You know, I, I, I didn't realize how spoiled I was in L.A. until I went to visit other places a few years ago, like on tour. And you're like, oh, I want to get a vegetarian option or I want a veggie burger at this restaurant or I want this. And they're like, what are you talking about? They're like, tofu? They're like, what are you talking about? I did a yeah. road trip with my girlfriend and... We stopped in, I think it was in Ohio, and when she said she was even a vegetarian, they just looked at her like she was just hopped off the UFO and like (laughs) was like giving them a visit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you're in the South, where I'm from, like Atlanta, or you're in the Midwest, and you're not at least 15 to 20 pounds overweight, they think you're underfed. They'll say things like, oh, you poor thing, you're starving, you need to eat some more. You're like, actually, I thought I was <laughs> um, needing to lose some weight. <laughs> well, perspective. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <clears throat> um, so you and I actually were just on a, a panel sort of discussion thing for SoundCloud a couple of weeks ago, which came out really great. Um, and now we are here. So a lot of the questions I would have asked you today, I kind of already asked you, but I think it'd be cool uh, to get a little refresher course for people that don't know you. So you are Will J. Uh, you make tons of great music. Uh, you have a bunch of videos out there. Um, and you've been doing this for a lot longer than it would appear because you're still incredibly young. But you've been doing this for, what, 10 years or more? Uh, yeah. Actually, this year it'll be, it'll be 10 years. So Wow. And before yeah. that, I was doing like auditions and stuff. But I, like professionally in music, 10 years. Yeah. Well, you know, if you don't mind, give a little quick background like you did the other day. 
on where you started? So I grew up in Los Angeles and I very quickly as a young kid just gravitated towards performing and singing and just doing that. I was I just that person that just wanted to any opportunity I had to perform in front of people. I, I, I literally took it. So I was doing auditions like as a kid and like, you know, like for commercials and like all that stuff. And I randomly one day auditioned to be in a boy band um, that Simon Fuller, who created American Idol, put together was putting together. And um, I got in the group. And then from there, that was kind of like my introduction to everything. Um, Like, you know, my first time recording in a professional studio and doing photo shoots. And then when we started putting out music, it was like social media. And, you know, that was like the rise of we kind of came out like in 2011, 2012. And that was like when Instagram like really started becoming a thing. Um, so like dealing with that. And then when we started touring, like every aspect of what I guess it means to be a professional musician, touring musician, recording artist, like all that, that was kind of my, um, my start. And then, yeah, so I did that until uh, from age 13 to 18. Um, and yeah, we did the whole thing. You know, we put out a bunch of music, got to tour the country, did a couple international shows. Um, it was it was amazing. I mean, I that was like a crash course in in everything. And and from there I kind of realized too like doing sessions with songwriters for the first time. I was like, "Oh, I really love the creative process and the recording atmosphere so much, and that's why I kind of now am in a place where it's like I really love doing both. Like I love being an artist, but also, you know, the songwriting side is really cool for me." <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you and I talked about that last time, which is there's so much benefit from writing songs with other people. You become a better writer yourself, but you also uh, get to play a part in somebody's career without the pressure, right? If you write a great song for somebody else, they get to go through the the promotion pains and the uh, all the details, and you get to sit back and, and watch it unfold, uh, which is fun too. It is really fun, and it's 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 so rewarding to me to feel like I, as a songwriter, and like their people are trusting me with their stories. I guess it's like a really it's something that I really hold dear to my heart and it's just such a cool feeling to be an artist too. Like I, I totally understand how, how weird it is to like open yourself up to people in that way and to really like pour your heart out into, you know, into what you do. And so it's really cool to kind of get to step outside of that for me and like witness it in somebody else and be a part of it is I love it. Yeah, well, I just I wanted to point out real quick that uh, you're officially, I think, the third artist I've worked with in my career that was part of a boy band that was part of the Simon Fuller world. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's a it's a we, world. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. That guy, you know, if you don't know who he is, look him up. He's he's quite the character. Simon Fuller and Simon Cowell are two peas in a pod, and they um, very much are heavy handed in in uh, the reality TV scripted non-scripted music world and also forming boy bands and groups and girl bands. Um, but yeah, interesting character, that guy. Um, so the other thing I was going to ask you is like, where did you get your sort of like penchant for lyrics? So you're very lyric focused. You're really good at doing that. You're better than most people. Um, I've come across like you're incredibly gifted with words and melody and that's a pretty unique trait. Most people in the music business, I'd say the vast majority of them are usually focused on, the talent itself, like how good of a guitar player are there? How good of a singer are they? And they really, really focus on the, the outward talent. 
but very few people are focused on poetry and lyrics and really getting that right and crafted. Um, was that was that really how you started? Were you more focused on lyrics early on? Because I feel like you've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you. Um, yeah. You know, I grew up, my mom was a librarian, so I was just a bookworm for most of my life. Um, and so I guess I was just constantly like absorbing language, I guess, through books. And I started writing my own songs when I was like 11 or 12 and they were not good. <laughs> they weren't good until I was like 18, I would say. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I, and I, growing up, I was just constantly hearing um, like just great music that my dad loved, which was, you know, Elton John and Billy Joel and the Beatles and, you know, everything that he loved so much. And I think that at least, you know, his style of music and what he loved is, I mean, Elton in particular, who is like my number one of all time, like it's so lyric based and it's such a narrative and it's so, um, also melodically just like out of this world. Um, yeah. Yeah. so I think, I think it just comes from like my influences, I guess, and who, who inspire me the most. And I think it's the real storytellers, you know, the people that are really able to kind of take you on a journey the way like a great movie does or a great book does. Um, mm. I really think that there, it, it can be done like in a three minute song, however long your song is like, you can, you can tell a story and you can, um, yeah, take people on a journey, I guess. So. Yeah. And those kind of songs transcend, right? They last 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Uh, you know, look at Sinatra. I mean, he's, you're never going to listen to a Sinatra song and think, Oh my God, that's so dated. That's not cool anymore because it's, it's going to be cool forever. Uh, I feel like this, I feel the same thing about Elton John and some of his tracks. Um, funny story. I, like I said, I'm from Atlanta, right? So when I was, I don't know, I must've been eight, nine years old. My mom was going to AA, uh, for drinking. And she's like, Hey, you know, one day, I think after school, she had to go to an AA meeting and I went with her and it was in like downtown Atlanta. And after the meeting, my mom's like, Hey, I want you to meet somebody. And I'm like, Oh, and we're out in the parking lot. And she introduces me to Elton John. And I'm like, and I knew who he was because of the, of the because of the lion King. Right. So like, that's how I knew who Elton John was. Like he was the lion King guy to me. And then he was also candle in the wind guy. And I'm only, I'm only nine, but I know that I know that stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, hi, you're Elton John. My mom's like, yeah, this is my friend Elton. Like we were in AA together and like they had become like friends and it was wild. But looking back on that, I'm like, that's the weirdest place ever to meet Elton John. Definitely um, not. Yeah, that's, what a, what a story though. That's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. Um, but anyway, so you, um, so you, I guess, had that early influence from like your parents and what they were listening to and you sort of took to those type of songwriters. Um, but did you have support? from your side, from, from your family and your parents to go into music? Were they supportive? They were, couldn't have been more supportive of me. Um, they, it's interesting because you meet them and they're so like chill, like both people, a few words, like not really like overtly. They, they don't, it, it was kind of like they showed support by doing like they did. They weren't like, you're amazing. You were so, you know, it wasn't this like, it wasn't this like, you know, kind of the stage mommy or stage parent kind of like, you know, let's, let's make you feel like you're the biggest star oh, in the God. world. It was just like, let's right. keep our heads down. Like I will take you to drive you all over the city for auditions. I will 
let you drop out of school so you can tour with this group. Like I will, you know, it was that kind of stuff. And they gave, they facilitated an environment for me growing up that made me believe that I could do it. So I, yeah, I couldn't be luckier. They were, the yeah, best. I was going to say, it sounds like you had the perfect combination uh, going on there because there's, I, you know, I know the artists that are like, Oh, my parents hated music. And they told me to have nothing to do with it. And because they hated it so much, the kids end up rebelling and doing music on purpose just to piss their parents off. Like there's those, there's those people. And then there's the ones whose parents, like you said, sort of like the show moms or the show dads that are like, you will be a star. We will capitalize off of you. We will, you know, you will go do this. Um, and I feel like those artists end up being the most damaged, you know, then you, then you sort of get the Britney Spears of the world and you get the, uh, I feel like just, just, just mentally just scarred from, um, being, being, uh, forced to do something they didn't necessarily want to do. And it wasn't a natural process. So you, to, and I was in the same position, like my, my parents, especially my dad was very much just like, yeah, you know, you do what you want to do. And there was just music around the house all the time. My dad was always playing gigs. There was always just a musical atmosphere, but there was no pressure to do it. And so for me, it was just like, organically, I'm like, yep, this is what I want to do. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it is so not underrated, but I think people don't really conceptualize, like, especially when you start really, really young, um, it can be such a toxic place. The, like the industry, the entertainment industry in general, um, you know, growing up, I, and I had it good, like, but after I left that group, I had I had no friends my age because all I was doing was spending nine, ten hours a day touring the entire summer with my bandmates. And so when I oh, wow. when that was done, it was like, well, how do I like assimilate back into normal life now? Um, and so to that point, like it's it, it is sad to me when I feel like the, the you know, those kids that their parents kind of push them to it because if it's not a natural thing, it's you're just setting yourself up for like such a bumpy road of disappointment and heartbreak. And, you know, if, the, if you don't have that like integral, like this is what I want to do, this is what I feel like I'm meant to do. It's yeah, it's rough. It is. Yeah. I, I can't say the name, but there was um, a group that I was working with and they got in early with the Simon Fuller camp uh, in the early two thousands and, they became stars um, over in Europe and UK and um, they had a big hit song and they were pulled out of school essentially by the time they were like, I don't know, one of the kids was like nine or 10 and they got pulled out of school to go on tour and go on TV and, you know, do all these things. And then they, they rode that wave for about three, four years and then their label dropped them and uh, Simon Fuller dropped them and all these things didn't work out. And, Years later, I got a chance to work with them, and I'm, I'm over in, in Europe, uh, actually in London at their house, and we were working on a record, and I remember just putting something that I had written down in front of one of the, one of the band members, and one of the other guys goes, hey, he can't read, and he, at the time, he was like 25 years old, I said, what do you mean he can't read? And he's like, yeah, he doesn't know how to read. He's like, yeah, he got pulled out of school early when we were assigned to the label, and he never got homeschooled and never went back to school after that. We've been chasing the music thing ever since. And we just read things for him. And I just remember thinking, wow, like that is brutal. That's absolutely detrimental and brutal. Just, just, you know, you're chasing this music thing and the parents are pushing them to chase the thing. And 
pull him out of school and as he's in his mid twenties and he can't read. And I just thought that's one of the worst uh, scenarios I've come across. That might be the worst. Um, I don't think, yeah. I, I don't think I can top that. <laughs> um, no, you shouldn't try to top that. That's that's a, a, that is wild. Not a good thing, but so you were able to like, and I was using that as an example, you were able to come out of the boy band thing, reassimilate as you put it and kind of figure out what you want to do next and then make that transition somewhat smoothly. Um, it was, it was bumpy at at first because I, so, okay. So I left that, I was one of five in that group. We were kind of being positioned as like a multicultural group. So I was the, you know, I was the one Asian American in that group. Um, Mm. and so I'd never really experienced any prejudice, any, anything like that because I, you know, I was in a group and then I left that and was trying to do my own thing and very quickly (laughs) realized that there was just a wall that I didn't realize existed. You know, I would walk into a room and it was just like every single time, no matter who it was, it was a producer, A&R, anybody really in the industry that I, not everybody, but 95% of people, they always said something along the lines of, you know, have you ever thought about going to Asia first? Have you ever thought about doing that? Because, you know, the climate that we're in, it just doesn't, not super conducive to somebody like you. I mean, I literally got that, you know, um, all the time. And so, yeah, career-wise, I was also really trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do? Because if I'm being told over and over and over again, like, don't see it for you. And I literally, you know, I I mentioned this when we did our interview, but I went to Mm -hmm. China and was on The Voice over there because kind of fueled by the pressure that I'd felt to kind of start over there because I was just told over and over and over again. And I had a great experience over there, but, you know, I I also kind of quickly realized that the industry there is a little bit more centered around the kind of pop star mold. You know, it's not really like the artists don't really write their own stuff. And Mm. even the ones that do, it's like, it's, it's just more not of a machine. It is. It's, it's more. It's it's mechanical there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, power to you if you can do that. Just for me, like I, through and through, I'm a songwriter. Like I, I, it, I would just lose my mind. So I came back, and that was kind of when I realized, like, okay, like maybe the songwriting thing is what I'm just gonna do. And I, and I never, I never thought about giving up or anything like that. Like it wasn't. But I just quickly realized, like, okay, maybe the doors will open a little bit quicker if I, if I do that. And it's interesting now because I don't get, I don't hear that anymore. And because we, they're in the five years between me leaving that group and now, you know, we have, it's a, you know, kind of weird example since they're technically from Asia, but BTS is like the biggest group in the world. And mm-hmm. there are, there are quite a few acts now that you can kind of point to that are visibly Asian and like having success, like Rina Sawayama, like Biba Doobie, like Olivia Rodrigo, like there are these, there, like, I can't, I mean, maybe somebody could still tell me to go to Asia, but I just don't think that would happen today. Um, um, I don't think so either. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, yeah. it's cool to see that, but um, yeah, I, mean, I definitely. It's, it, it, it's a shame to say, but you know, 
And it should never be that way. I want to just put that out there. It should never be that way where it's like, yo, this this can't happen here right now because of the way you are, your race, or your looks. Like that to me is pure insanity. But the reality is those things do exist in the world and they exist in every continent um, in different shapes and forms. And and timing is everything, right? Like I, um, you know, and not to compare, but at one point I was approached by the BTS team um, in 2017 and was asked to shop their album around to the lab- to the labels here to see if they would, uh, an American label would want to pick up BTS. And at the time they were only known in, in the Asian market. That's the only place they were known. BTS was not an American thing yet at all. Uh, like 2016, 2017. And I took it to all my friends at the labels here and said, Hey guys, I'm representing this, you know, this band called BTS. They are amazing. Check out their stats, check out their numbers, listen to the songs. They're incredible. And every room I took it into, I literally was told like, I don't get it. What do you, why would you bring that here? That's never going to work here. Um, never. And then I was, I was lucky enough to be sitting in this, in a room with one of those people that said no to me a few years later. And I just made the joke. I said, you remember when you passed on BTS? And he was like, man, I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) You know, like, I don't want to talk about it. But to your point, I think it's at that place now where I'd be surprised if, if you got those same remarks and same comments, but you know, timing's everything. And it just is what it is. There's always got to be somebody or some artist that breaks that mold. But you know, when you started doing all your own stuff, and you started making all these own, your own songs. Did you immediately start to surround yourself with a team, like a manager? Did you look for a label deal and a publishing deal? Or were you just sort of hell-bent on like, I'm just going to put out music that I write and write with other people, and I don't really care what happens um, from there out? Initially, I definitely had it in my brain. You know, my band was briefly signed, and we had a whole team around us. Like, I thought that was just like what you do and what you look for. And so, yeah, I mean, I definitely am my manager, you know, who's been with me since I've, um, since I've been on my own, uh, it's since then it's kind of been, you know, it, it was a lot of just us kind of spearheading everything, but initially, yeah, I was definitely trying to get a deal, you know, and then I would walk into these rooms and get those remarks and it was like, oh, well, (laughs) great. (laughs) What do I do now? Um, and, and, and from there, from that kind of, you know, in hindsight, yeah, I felt low at the time, but I think it was just necessary for where I ended up. So I'm nothing but grateful for it. I kind of was like, okay, I have to do this myself, you know, and my manager, I have to, I have to make this happen for myself and I'm going to, however, whatever that looks like, I don't know. Um, and there was definitely a shift, like, I would say maybe around 2019, finally, where I was like, okay, I'm just going to do the music I want to make. That's it. Like, that's right. just right. the only opinion that matters is mine. Well, you have a very interesting um, approach to being an artist. And whether this was um, on purpose or not, uh, I think in some way it is. But most artists have a facade that they're working towards, and they they will keep up that facade at all costs, um, it's their image, it's their artist image, and they work to keep that, and they're proud of that. And in a lot of ways, I respect that. But then there are the artists who are just like, there is no facade, I'm just me all the time from day one, uh, take it or leave it. But you have somehow done both, which is kind of mind-boggling. Like, you you will openly write a song 
about something and everybody thinks is a true story. And then you'll come back later and be like, actually, I just made that shit up. And, and then write a song about the fact that you made that shit up, which you've done. And so it's like, I don't know how many artists have done something like that where you're just like, look, I'm being honest about the fact that I'm not honest. And this is a, t- this is a common theme in the music industry. And you sort of own that and you're walking that really interesting line. But um, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to just ask you about like what, what um, made you decide to sort of go down that road and write a song like Lies and be like, look, actually, this is what's up. I thought it was super cool. <laughs> well, thanks. I, you know, it, it's interesting because I feel like, yeah, for a long, to, the, to what I said earlier, I spent so much of my, the, you know, my career on my own writing music that I thought people would like, writing music that I felt was relatable and, you know, maybe it didn't necessarily speak to me as a person, but it's like, oh, but it'll speak to somebody else. And I think a lot of artists kind of get unfortunately stuck in that world where they're so, so hyper aware of how people, you know, what people think of them that they put themselves in a box and they, they almost prioritize other people's opinions over their own. And that's what, that was me for such a long time. And so, yeah, I guess lies kind of came from this place of feeling like just exhausted from feeling like I had to fabricate stories to get people to listen to my music. Um, and yeah, I think that song kind of opened up a world of transparency for me. And it's, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just important to just do what moves you and what it feels authentic to you and worry less about fitting into a brand or an image that you've created for yourself because people are constantly mm-hmm. evolving and you want people to kind of grow with you. And I've just seen, I I just know from my, this is just my own experience. Like I was really trying to make certain sounds happen in my, in the beginning, like for, and and it just wasn't authentic at all. It just wasn't. I really, I had such a concrete thought in my brain that was like, you have to do this kind of music, but it's like, who's, it's not even me saying that. It's like, who, like, who do I think, (laughs) who is that? Who's telling me that, you know, my, my own ego. I don't know. But I mean, that's what I, that's what I always tell artists. I'm like, you know, what makes you unique as an artist when they ask me that question, what sets me apart? I'm like, what sets you apart is your story in your own brain. That's what sets you apart. If you're not telling your stories from your perspective, um, you're doing yourself a disservice. That's literally what sets you apart. You don't have to overthink it. There's no, there's no concoction of things that can be more unique than that, that you, that you could conjure up. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think Andy Warhol said it best, right? Like, what's in is out, right, when it comes to fads. Like, by the time something's in and you're chasing it, it's out. So trying to do this whole, like, I'm going to do what's cool or I'm going to do what I think fits in with the audience or what people might like, when you do that, it's already uncool. The minute you approach that when you, and, you, and you step to that ledge, you've lost the battle, in my opinion. You've I, already lost. I agree. It's your, and you're constantly in a place of chasing after something, which is just so 
it is literally exhausting. <laughs> yeah, the, the worst kind of exhausting. Um, and then, you know, you uh, you work with some great producers and artists, but I, I'll give a little shout out to, to Jeff Harris, who I think is killing the game. And um, how did you come to be working with Jeff? Um, I met him through a mutual friend of ours, um, Johnny, who's also an amazing producer. Um, cool. He does... Both of them have done songs for me in the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a very chance and it was, it was cool too. Cause like we didn't meet in a professional setting. Like we were just friends. Um, oh, and cool. I've also come to realize like that is such a beautiful thing and has led to all of my best songs is creating with my friends. Um, I, I had it in my head for such a long time that I need to be, Oh, if I'm not in the room with, Max Martin or Greg Kirsten, then it's, I'm not going to make amazing music because that's just, right. you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I will, <laughs> I would love to be in a room with those guys, but <laughs> I, I, I don't like, I realize now that like the music that I make with my friends is so fulfilling and leads to the greatest, leads to all of my best performing music um, for myself mm -hmm. and for other people. And so you know, yeah, I would love to be working with all those people, but it, working with your friends is I, something that I feel like is highly underrated. And I would encourage any creative to, to really, you know, to do that because it's like when you build something with somebody that's so much more rewarding than, you know, whatever the alternative. I agree. Well, I think um, one of the questions that I, a lot of people might be wanting to ask somebody like yourself is like, how much do you personally kind of lean into your image as opposed to leaning into the songwriting and letting that speak for itself as an artist. Like, do you rely on the songs to do a lot of the work for you or do you lean more into like, this is me, this is what I look like. This is what my culture is like from a visual perspective. Uh, or, you know, how do you strike that balance or where do you put most of your, most of your, most of your effort? Um, I would say it definitely up until very recently has been pretty much all about the music. Um, that's just what I do naturally. You know, I, I definitely have a sense of who I am and what I want, but like the visual, the more visual centric, I guess, aspect of being an artist is just not something that I is like my first kind of instinct, I guess it's like, not my first thought. Right. Um, so it's, it's, that's been a more of a gradual kind of, coming into my own and I do think it's important don't get me wrong um and I'm definitely yeah. looking forward to putting more of a concerted effort into like really establishing how I want the world to perceive me I guess but um at the same time it's like you can have the best image in the world and if you don't have good music <laughs> yeah so yep yep yeah we see that all the time right people are super cool and amazing but their music doesn't have the timeless attraction to it. So it's hard to keep that ball rolling. Um, and all right. So, uh, Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. So once you sort of, um, established yourself as a solo artist and you kind of had a little bit of a team and you had your manager and these things were happening for you, um, was there ever a moment where, um, you thought you might want to go out and get like a publishing deal so that you could really just focus on writing songs all the time for not just yourself, but other people and really be more of an at scale writer or 
do you still want to f- strike that balance between writing and also having your solo career? Is there like a, is there a way you look at that right now? Yeah. So I actually signed a publishing deal last year, um, which. Oh, that's right. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, yeah no, it was, uh, it was a very cool milestone for me because, you know, not harping on the past at all, but I was even told in publishing meetings that like, you know, the Asian thing came into the conversation there. And which is so, what? it's so, it, I know it sounds absurd, but like, I think there maybe are some companies that look at giving, it, it's like they knew, they were aware that I was trying to be an artist and it was like, oh, maybe we don't want to invest in a, in a ship that isn't going to sail. I don't know. I honestly don't know. But I. That makes my, it makes my skin crawl when I hear those phrases. Yeah, I just, I, you know what, it's, sorry. it's fine. I got, I got a great deal now. So I'm like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But <laughs> so to answer your question, I, yeah, I mean, like I, I love both so much and I do think they feed into each other and neither is it a place of critical mass where it's like, it takes up all my time. So I just kind of look at it as I'm just going to continue just creating as much as I possibly can and whatever takes off, then I, you know, I go with the wind. I'm not going to. I, I don't have all of my eggs in one basket and I always am going to be an artist and it's going to put out my own music and I'm always going to be a songwriter. So it's like, yep. you know, I, I put less pressure on myself to feel like I have to be one thing. And I also think that's something that yep. people need to hear is like, you can be excellent at more than one thing. Like you don't have to be that. I think that's mainly goes out to all the songwriters who are afraid to be artists. It's like, like you are inherently an artist because you write songs. So if you are feeling like exploring who you are as an artist, go for it. And if the, if the roles are reversed and if, you know, I have a lot of artist friends who want to get into writing too. And it's like, don't um, cut yourself off because you're afraid of being bad at something or not as good at, at as whatever you're already good at. Um, so yeah, I, I'm. That's what that's what that's where the growth comes absolutely. from, right? Is getting out of your comfort zone. But I think what you just said is incredibly good advice. Um, there's no reason you can't do whatever you want these days. There's nobody in the middle to tell you you can't do it. There's an outlet for everything, and even if you want to go and be anonymous with those things, you can do it. You can create a mystery profile on Spotify and put out music under an artist name, and nobody knows. And it could blow up. It happens all the time. Absolutely. You could also be a ghostwriter for other people if you if you really want to. I've never true. I, I randomly was in an Uber Uber pool back when that was a thing um, with a girl who was <laughs> a ghostwriter for Atlantic, and I was like, I, I don't even I didn't even, I don't even know how that's like a thing. I've never encountered even the opportunity to be a ghostwriter. So I'm just, I'm, I'm so fascinated by that. I, I don't need, cause it's like, wouldn't you, it's like, you, at, on one hand, it's like, wouldn't you want credit for your work? But at the same time, it's like, if you're working with artists that don't want to give credit, which I think is bullshit, but like, if you, you yeah. know, if, if you're doing that, like, yeah, I guess it's a foot in the door, but yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. So, it almost makes me wonder like, was she on salary or was she on spec? Is it like, okay, you're such a good ghostwriter. We're going to put you on retainer no matter what, or we're only going to pay you if we think what you do is good <laughs> on a, on a one-off basis. They better be getting, I've, they better at least be getting a salary. Cause I think that's so, that's absurd. That I Something, something. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that is an interesting thought, right? Like 
when I realized, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago that most of the books I was reading were not written by the people whose name was on the front of the book, my head exploded. I was like, wait, what do you mean they didn't write this? It's like, oh, no, no, they probably, you know, talked into a, a recording device for two or three hours about their life story, handed that off to a team of ghostwriters, and they extracted and put together an entire book out of it, presented it back to that person, and that person gave their approval. Like, it's un- it's unbelievable. Um, and that is the world <laughs> that is the world we live in. Everything's sort of a, a weird facade if you're willing to just start ripping off the layers um, find out what's under there. So next question I had for you, what artists are you listening to right now or working with that you think people should check out? Um, working with, I, I mean, I'll just by nature of where, you know, I mean, pouty face is, I think going to kill 2021. So nice. I, I mean, I really do like, you know, I, we were talking the other day, like, as a genuine, uh, do people, like, know that, that you manage her, like, on this podcast at all, or? Yeah, I haven't really talked about it, like, maybe once I brought it up, but yeah. Okay. It's, it's fine. Well, it, I mean, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, there, it <laughs> um, there it is. But, yeah, I mean, she's a perfect example of somebody who I just think is the, has just such a cool thing going for her, and to, again, like, as a songwriter, to, like, get to turn her crazy world and life into something that's like tangible is just the coolest thing ever. And it makes it, 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 I find so much gratitude in getting to be that kind of translator, I guess, for somebody. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I love her. I'm working a lot with Upsol, who I think is also a total badass. Um, yes. And, Royal and the Serpent was, um, that was kind of my last year, all this, the things that happened for her. It was just as a, yeah, as She's a song. Amazing. 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 Yeah. These, you guys had a hit song. No, it's, it's which is so wild to, to say and think about. Like <laughs> I, you know, we wrote those songs before she was signed, before anything really was, you know, not that, not that nothing was going on, but like, she just didn't have she wasn't signed. Like she wasn't signed. She didn't have the team she has now. She didn't have anything other than being a dope artist. And so yeah. just watching her evolution and, you know, her coming into who she is, is just amazing. I just love, I'm realizing now, like just badass females, like just are yes. the best. Yeah. They're just, I, and I, I'm realizing too, like now, cause I write a lot with my girlfriend and having there's just something that like a woman's perspective i feel like it on on anything like emotions on story even like lyrics and melody like the songwriting like there there's just something that just makes it makes the songs just special to me i don't i don't know what it is like i think maybe it's just it's it it's something that would never occur to you or i to think of and and i've realized that like i could spend two decades writing a song about one subject and never show it and and give it to a female. And the minute I pass it over after two decades to a female in 10 minutes, they could change the entire perspective and give more depth and meaning to something that I was unable to uncover in 20 years time. And I've, I've realized that like, it's so, it's so special to be able to have that perspective. And to your point, 
um, being surrounded by so many badass females lately um, that we all get to work with has been mind. It makes me want to so be like, more punk rock, yeah. honestly, because I know, I know, it's just awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, I, and you know, to compare that, you know, these what we just said to the fact that what three percent of women are producers and engineers. It's just like. And songwriters is probably maybe 15, 20%. I don't know, like a very a much lower percentage. It just infuriates me because I really feel like I almost kind of operate in this place now where it's like I almost seek out that perspective in most, mm. most of everything that I do on my artist stuff. Like my girlfriend and I write most of it. And then on the songwriter side, like it's the female artist that I'm excited to work with. And I'm not, that's obviously a generalization, but like, I am more inclined just because I know that the, I don't know, that perspective always leads to just amazing, cool songs. Well, I'm seeing the huge upswing in it. Like you are, I'm, from my perspective, I see just more and more badass females stepping into these roles every day and feeling empowered and being empowered and embraced by, um, the industry at large. And I just, I hope the trend keeps going and I hope it will. That, uh, yeah, I, I totally think it will too. And I, I just, I don't know. I think it's just making everything better. <laughs> so, um, I agree. You know, that's, a, it's a good situation for, for all of us to be in. So, um, I was really happy to connect you with pouty face and this is more of a me patting myself on the, on the back moment. But, um, when I started, you know, managing her and I was getting her to a lot of sessions, she was having trouble telling her own stories. So she was very good at actually making things up. Um, like she's a, an actual storyteller. Like she could, she could probably write a Lord of the Rings book. She's like that kind of person, but yeah, but she was having trouble. Like, how do I tell my stuff without, you know, giving too much or not giving enough or being, um, you know, too open. And so I was like, you know, she needs to write with Will. I was like, Will's one of my favorite songwriters. He has no problem putting that stuff on paper. And I played her some of your stuff, whatever it was, a year and a half ago, two years ago. And she was just like, wait, who is this? And I was like, this is Will J. She's like, he's insane. I was like, yeah. So, um, yeah, I made the call and was just like, you guys got to write. And I'm so happy to see that it's working out. But that's sort of the magic of this industry is you never know how things are going to match up. Like when I started working with you, I never thought in a million years that I would be putting you in the room with somebody that I'm working with on the management side. And you guys be writing songs that are going to be going out to the world. Yeah, No, it's it. And it, I think that's the beauty of just collaboration in general, you know, on all fronts, you know, not just, Oh, thank you. Um, not just on the, you know, creative side, but it, to your point, it's like you thinking of, you being the middle person, like connecting, you know, two creatives and it turning into something is just so important. And I also think it's important for artists to remember that there's so much beauty in collaboration and we exist in this space where it's like, we should be doing it all ourselves. And, you know, no one's going to believe in us harder than we do. And, you know, all this stuff. And yeah. it's very isolating. It can be very, um, yeah, it can be very lonely. So it's important to remember that collaboration is important. And when you find those people that you trust and you, I, I kind of realized um, those, you know, all those, the three 
amazing artist that I mentioned before that I'm lucky to work yeah. with. It's like, I get excited before the song is written, if that makes sense. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm on my way over being like, hell yeah. Like we're going to, regardless of what it is, like I have no idea, but it's going to be great. And that's just such a beautiful place to be in where you are just excited to just make shit. And yeah, you're, br- you're bringing that energy to the session. And if everybody else is bringing that same energy, which I know Pouty does whenever she's headed to go right with you, she's like, you know, giddy. Um, you guys are going to do something, something magical. Um, love that. So what is up next for you? What is, what's happening? Well, um, I feel like a lot more of what I've already been doing. I got a lot of music coming out this year. I have a lot of releases with other artists that I'm so excited about. Um, and yeah, I mean, I really think like I feel I'm finally at a place in my life where I feel like, okay, I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm excited to hopefully do it on a higher level, continue to do it and continue to, you know, reach, I guess, a new plateau, but it's, but I'm already, but success is what I'm doing just a little, maybe a little bit higher on a higher level. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That's pretty Uh, much it. No, no, no doubt you're going to get there. I have, I have no doubts. Um, so how can people find you? Social media, website, all that fun yeah. stuff? Yeah, um, it's Will J Music on pretty much everything, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, the website needs some work. I have to get on that. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah that, I mean, Will, and, you know, Will J on Spotify and Apple Music, so. Yep, yep. Uh, amazing. Well, dude, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Today. This was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you just have a, a ton of... Um, ton of knowledge and you've done a lot in a short amount of time. And, uh, th- th- I, th- I think the story is just beginning. So, well, super cool. I appreciate that. And I also don't feel like I know anything. So <laughs> it's nice to, Dude, none of us know. Shit. Well, Nobody knows exactly. <laughs> but there's a beauty in that. I feel like knowing, no, realizing that, you know, nothing is knowing something. It, you know what? That is everything, right? Like, you know, if everybody had the Dunning Kruger effect, it'd be a terrifying place. Um, but uh, the people who are well aware that they're not aware is pretty good. It's a good spot. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, enough um, enough Taoism for the day. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go, man. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was uh, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Thanks, Will. Speak soon. <laughs>